Welcome back to Diamnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Celeste, aka Sea Witch. And I'm your other host, DM Neil, aka Jote Maniac. And today, we're just going to open another. We're gonna take a look. See, both of us, uh, you can't see it, listeners, but we're holding both of our dungeon master guides. We're waving them around. Neil's got the nice shiny one. I've got the one that is officially falling apart <laughs> now, again. This is my second one that okay, I've destroyed. I, I'm taking a brief moment to talk about how ridiculous the secondary market is for the shiny versions of these books. Oh, yes. I haven't checked in lately. What is what is the... Unreasonable. Uh, the one that always stands out is Volos. Oh, yes. it was one of the earliest ones. Mm-hmm. The Hydro 74 cover for Volos um, is minimum 400 Yeah, on eBay. Yeah. Or if you can even get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because they took Volos uh-huh. out of print, so even uh-huh. even more. And even, yeah, so then I have the three, yeah, the three set of the main, you know, the core mm-hmm. books is also, I've seen it in the, like, four to six hundred range as well. Uh, but it's my only copy, so I don't really feel like doing that. Yep, yep. But today, as we have done before, we, uh, because it worked better than we thought it would, <laughs> we'll try again and see if that's still true. Uh, we're going to look at random tables in the DMG to just make things because it's easy. It's a book you probably have. I grabbed so, my book, but not my dice. One second. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. So as always, we'll also have a link over to Sly Flourish um, for the list of tables that are in the DMG. Oh, yes. Uh, because that is probably the absolute most helpful thing in this process is being able to go more directly to a table that you want, but at the same time, certainly just flip pages yeah. um, of your favorite RPG book and see what tables are in there. Heck yeah. What do we want to look at today? I don't remember. I feel like every time I open this book, I see an art piece that I've never seen before. And I don't know what kind of magic that is, but it's cool. I'm just looking at it now at the part three master of rules, like all oh, the cool drow. Oh yeah. Well, I also like that there was also, there's also a really concerted effort to show parties of yeah. players rather than just, um, you know, singular characters. Individuals, yeah. So one of the things is, so chapter two in the book is called Creating a Multiverse. So what I've noted is that around the page 47 range, um, several of the tables caught my eye based on their titles because I kind of didn't know why they would exist. So oh. on page number... 47 astral color pools oh yeah i that's weird okay so the astral plane realm of thought and dream yeah 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 yeah. um so basically as you're floating through the astral plane and you start to see these different colored pools there's now there's a table on which you could randomly roll that's a bold now let's let's be honest that's a bold choice. That but, is a bold choice. I mean, wow, look at some of these. Yeah, your players had better have at least two digits in their level. Ooh. Oh, there's no way I could say if not three, because that's not really how that works. But the idea that they need to be pretty <laughs> strong if you're going to the point where, one, they're traveling the astral plane and just f- freewheeling it through said oh, astral yeah. plane to roll the d20. So. Because, yeah, freewheeling it, I don't know, do you want to roll, see where we end up? Absolutely. Um, And the best part is, both of us will roll, and both of us will end up (laughs) somewhere else, I'm sure. Somewhere else! Ooh, uh uh-oh, I'm going to Gehenna. 
Ooh. through the russet-colored pool of Gehenna. Oh, man. Isn't that where the Yugoloths live? Is and I've headed to Pandemonium through Uh-oh. the magenta-colored uh, pool. We are not doing well we in these not. places. We did not do well. <laughs> Pandemonium, yours sounds worse than mine. Well. Oh, my God. I have to say, I don't know a lot about Gehenna and Pandemonium. Oh, here. Oh, Pandemonium. A plane of madness, a great mass of rock riddled with tunnels carved by howling winds. Oh my god. Banished to the plane have no hope of escape. <laughs> Many of them have been driven bad by the incessant winds. Oh my god. Sorry, Neil. It's okay. I think it's not going well there. How? What's Gehenna like? Yeah. Okay, and after you're done telling me about Gehenna, you said wind, and we will go to the next page after this, because there is a psychic wind effects as well. Ooh. I have to know about Gehenna. Isn't is it Gehenna where the, the gnolls? Is that where they are? Gehenna. In the Dungeons and Dragons, Gehenna in current edition of the game, the bleak eternity of Gehenna, also the fourfold furnaces or the fires of perdition, is a plane Ooh. of existence of neutral evil and lawful evil alignment. That tells me nothing. It did. It was really good at not really told me nothing about this. Okay, that's fine. All right, but let's go. The winds, psychic winds. Oh my god, that's all so bad. Uh-huh. Oh no! And one of the wind effects is you're sent through a colored pool to a random plane. Oh no! So oh, I got no. diverted. I add 1d6 hours to travel time inside the astral plane. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's see. Wow, I... Ooh, I'm lost. Oh, no. Okay, I'm lost. At the end of the travel time, characters arrive at a location other than their intended destination. Okay, if characters are soaring around in the astral plane like this, they, yeah, they gotta be level 20, man. Like, this is just not gonna go well. And my mental effect is... oh. 2d10 psychic damage. Oh. Owie. It's just like a really bad migraine as you're drifting through the space. Whoa, I'm looking at the map now. There's something called the Labyrinth Winds. That's neat. Yeah, every... It seems like every kind of plane that's been been alluded to has some sort of random table associated with it. Aha! Aha! I found Gehenna! It's the plane of suspicion and greed. It is the birthplace of the Yugoloths. Yes. Uh, I would win Trivial Pursuit, that question. Got it. Wow. Okay. Steep cannons, volcanoes. Yep. No room for mercy or compassion. Sick. Cool. What's our next table we should look at? There was a Feywild one that I thought we could jump to another section real quick. Okay. Roll me a d20 and I will inform you of what has happened to time. Oh, okay. 18. Days become months. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Uh, and this is in the Feywild? Uh huh. Oh, yeah. So come back and you're like, ah, it's been 50 years since you stepped through the door. So 7, seven through 13 is no change. Um, and the higher you roll, the more time passes per day. The lower you roll, less time passes per day. So days. Be- Basically, from days become minutes to days become years. Ooh, that's that would be very very scary. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, yeah, de- dear DM or GM, <laughs> um, 
make sure this is probably the end of a session when you yeah. find out what has happened. Yeah, uh, end of a session so you can plan a whole new campaign, get all new NPC contacts, you know, etc. <laughs> well, yeah, just so you can figure things out between that session and the next one. Yeah. I think we went through a lot of the good tables. So we had really focused last time on some of the framing events, in, like in the, the 70s, in terms of page numbers of what we had looked through. Yeah. So one of the ones that I think would be interesting is if we go to page 89 and 90, because those are the NPC tables, and those are super fun. Cool, yeah, let's make some NPCs. Ooh, all kinds. Okay, all right, let's make some NPCs. Who are we starting with? Okay, NPC, we're just go down the list. Let's do appearance. They're, They're used to, oh, that's why I can't find it. It's not in this DMG. It's the third edition DMG. Uh, what, what I would have sometimes is like when my players were making their characters, oftentimes if they couldn't really think of something or uh, or it's a quick game and they're trying to find like some way to attach themselves or make themselves notable, I would use tables like this yeah. and just have them roll a trait. And then, you know, let's say it's, you know, they roll a four on the talent and it's perfect memory. Okay, yeah. so now that, ah, here's that touch point. Now we can kind of move off of something like that. So I agree. So we have. We have, they have appearance. There's abilities. Oh, I like that. That idea that they, you roll for like their high ability and then what's their lowest ability. And that can kind of inform what they do. That's I mean, neat. Let's, well, okay, let's, from start to finish, you want to take the first, first D20. What is their appearance? Bam, a two. Piercings, piercings. piercings. Like all right, cool. Hot topic, hot topic. Uh, all oh, right, yeah. roll, roll, roll for their ability. What's their high ability, Neil? It's a D6. Nope. I got to grab a D6. I got a six. All right, charisma. All right, cool. Charisma is their highest score. They've got a lot of piercings. Maybe building a rock star. Um, okay, and let's see. Low, lowest is dexterity. So they are very clumsy. Or fumbling. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Okay. Next up, we have Talent. talents. Okay, here we go. Oh, these are cool. Oh, I don't like that. That's the one I mentioned. So, oh, weird. Through the power of editing. So I got an 11. Paints 11. beautifully. Paints beautifully. Okay, so this makes sense. So we've got we've got an artsy, very creative type. Uh, terrible at sports, probably. Cool, cool. Uh, mannerism. Let's see. We are 14. It's squint. Squinty. Maybe that's why they have such low dexterity. They have terrible eyesight. They're just always crashing into things. Okay. 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 Interaction traits. Oh, I gotta find me a 12. Ooh, I like this. In one sentence, describe how the NPC interacts with others. This is a cool thing to do for random NPCs for sure. What did I get? A curious curious okay all right maybe this is like a scholarly type right they've got a lot they've yeah but to paint beautifully it's an art student terrible vision yeah because i think no yeah i i I hate that i'm gonna tattle on myself apparently with (laughs) with how my brain is working with this but i don't i don't like that when i hear the concept paint beautifully i think paint cleanly 
Yeah. I don't know why. Like my brain is just associating those because like my, my initial thought, especially with the piercings was, you know, you're going to an art studio. Yeah. They definitely live there, but it's like, man, your bed is in a super weird place. And like, yeah. whoa, you make food in the like, same area yeah. as what everything that's going on. Is that turpentine but at the same on time, your stove? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the same time, this art is so good yeah and, you know make me makes me think of that like is is where yeah. my my leanings are so i don't beautiful beauty is in the eye of the beholder and i don't yes. like the way my brain interprets that word interesting interesting okay um useful knowledge so oh, okay ideals. no table for that one you have to decide okay but ideal um all right see oh d6s again so good good ideal or evil ideal you can decide oh boy okay so the good ideal is beauty, and then the evil version is domination. <laughs> so I guess I think beauty, beauty probably yeah. makes more sense with this character we're building, but okay. Um, good, good. Domination. <laughs> Ooh. Cha- so I rolled a two, Okay, and, but I'm going to go with a chaotic ideal because ah. that leaves us with creativity. Oh, I like that fairness versus creativity. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, we're really, we're really getting there with this artist. It's all coming together. All right, uh, neutral ideal. Ooh, okay, um, live and let live is the neutral or glory. I think probably live and let live is more vibing oh, yeah. for me with this art artsy type. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, they couldn't. Uh, they're okay that their their art is popular. They don't care. Or maybe if we want to do go with the glory thing, if we're leaning into the eyesight, maybe their eyesight is failing. So they only have a few years left to paint. Like, and then that's like they're seeking that, like that one masterful painting, that one glorious thing for their legacy, you know? Like that. Yeah. And do they, they're yeah, wrenching yeah, that. The players come in. Mm-hmm. Throw a little tragedy <laughs> in there. <laughs> so All right. Bonds. Next we have bo- Bond. Wait, I think you're rolling D10, for right? Okay, yeah, I ro- D10. I rolled a 12. I was like, that's not right. That's, oh, what do you mm-hmm. Ooh, protective of colleagues or compatriots. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I really like the, I mean, if we're really playing into the idea that their, you know, their vision is leaving. Yeah. The idea that anyone that is still able to create art or be it uh, that, you know, they've trained under them or that they, you know a colleague so knowing that these people will continue to create art even when i can't i really Mm -hmm. like that concept yeah yeah for sure okay a flaw or a secret Ooh, a d12 we're getting to all the dice that's the fun of these tables i get to use all the dice i don't get to use all the time okay do i even have a d12 i must my arrogance aha there it is (laughs) um okay two enjoys decadent pleasures Oh my, oh my! Maybe that's why their vision is failing. They did too much of that good fay, fay weed. Um, Ooh. Oh, or like they like you know some some kind of weird abyssal whiskey or something that's been you know they're hooked on and they can't. Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, and, you know, oh. as with many things, make sure that what we are about to discuss is comfortable with you and yes. your players. But the idea that someone using something illicit will just, you know, let's just use that word. Illicit to unlock certain levels of creativity. Mm-hmm. That's a fairly common trope and reasoning. But once you kind of touch that magical bent, 
you know, the, re- the ramifications, both real world and especially when you're creating it in your fantasy world can be a lot different, especially like you said, what it. Oh, OK, where mm-hmm. I'm all in. All, all right. Now that we've said it's going in. Yeah, I'm all in. What if it's that they can no longer see on this plane? Oh, yeah. They've got some kind of weird. Yeah. So you're talking, you know, talking about being able to. Is it ethereal? Is it fey wild? Mm-hmm. Is it Shadowfell? Is it, you know, infernal, out what, like some kind know, of think- infernal. They're seeing hell like right as part of a deal or pact uh-huh. or something. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Which, you know, which obviously has a myriad things that are that are bad but yeah. at the same time an interest some interesting things that could be potentially good oh yeah yeah oh man this reminds me i think it was was it that show heroes from a million years ago there was like a painter he could paint the future yeah, yeah. that's very cool we yes you could totally have that this npc is totally spinning into a tail yes yep and longtime listeners know I will always say that my hero watching experience is perfect because a friend of mine had already watched the whole show. And when I went to go watch it, he told me, you don't need to watch past season one. Yeah. It doesn't go well. Yeah. And I I trusted, I trusted their opinion very, very much so. And he said, look, as soon as you're done with season one, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you, it's not going to spoil it because it wasn't good. Nice. And so, yeah, I only watched season one and then I never watched a second. And he told me. I only watched season one as well. And I was very impressed. And I don't, I don't, I never watched the rest. So that's why I guess I think of it fondly. Don't you do it. (laughs) Okay. All right. We we learned. Heroes. (laughs) Heroes holds a glorious spot in both of our hearts because we only watched the first season. Because we only watched the first season. So. Be like us, uh, read the future, only watch the first season. Um, amazing. I really like this NPC we're making. This is totally a great idea that I might steal <laughs> for my game. So love this. Agreed. Oh, cool. I mean, yeah, those agreed. tables are great. You know what? I think I think I, the best way, let's round this out by doing that again because i think okay. that's i think with what this is some of the other ones don't they don't play that well into it yeah. you know it's you, you have six options really at the end of the day do i want to have the color pool that my players enter during the astral plane be left to the power of the dice yeah no no most no, likely not, not really. i don't think that's i don't that'd be too hard i think that's too hard yeah. for the dm right i, I, I literally thought I don't know how I can make that fun for me. And if I'm really questioning how I can make it fun for me, then I find it very unlikely that I could make that fun in turn for, players, for yeah. my players. Yeah. So let's roll another NPC. And let's see. I will kick us off with some of these are very funny. I had not read them all. I saw one <laughs> as I was grabbing my dice. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Eight. Eight. Missing fingers. Ooh, okay. All right. There's definitely a story there. Definitely a story there. Yeah. Okay, so let's see their okay, highest so what ability. Is their high set? Yeah, is um oh the opposite. Dexterity this time. Okay. I was hoping it would be dexterity because it's so interesting that they have if missing, they're missing fingers. fingers, but they're so dexterous. Okay. All right, roll yeah. for their low. What's their low? Strength. Ooh, Ooh okay. Sense. All right. They're feeble, scrawny, but they are lithe, agile, and graceful. Okay, so their talent then. Ba-ba-ba. 
Uh, great with animals. Is that why? Yeah, somebody take a take a little bite, a little bite. Um, okay, what's their mannerism? Our mannerism is a d twenty. Uses colorful oaths and exclamations. Ten. Okay, listen. So this person's missing fingers. They're agile. They're great with animals. Use colorful phrases. Are we talking about a carnival person or some kind of animal trainer? Mm. I feel like this is yeah. there's a performance aspect here that's evolving for me. Interesting. Okay. Interactions with others. Yeah. Let's see. D12. Uh, they are rude. Oh, they're extremely rude. Mm, maybe not a performer then. They would be. Okay. Ideals. Yep. Six. Self-sacrifice. For the good ideal or the evil ideal is slaughter. Slaughter. Oh boy. I mean, well, let's see. Okay, they're they're dexterous. They've got missing fingers. Great with animals. They could also be like maybe an animal trainer, like a military person, right? Like if they're the horse trainer or like the stable master or something, or like they they maybe they're like a goblin, right? They like work with wargs, you know, really like some big nasty. Uh, mounts out there. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Now, I don't know why my brain is thinking this way. That's a standard feeling. But <laughs> the idea that I feel like for a while there was like this feeling that rangers were darker. Yeah. In, in the sense that like they weren't as in tune with nature as a druid per se. They were good with animals, but that doesn't necessarily mean they care a lot about nature. Those those don't have to necessarily be the same thing because yeah. they just don't have to be. And also, like, how do how are you playing into that favorite enemy thing? Because there's a version where it's favored because that's the enemy that this person has some sort of vengeance towards yeah. some, you know, those sort of things. And it also makes me think of an anime that I watched recently called Goblin Slayer. Oh. Where basically in this world, goblins are are very, very evil. Yeah. They do very bad things to the people that they catch, and they constantly are taking over towns and doing and doing things. Um, so this person, they don't take better quests; they just slay goblins. They're here. That That's is what they, they do. do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, the colorful language. Or oaths or exclamations. I mean, that can definitely come uh -huh. from, yeah, a, a military background. Or, like, if they were even, maybe they were, you know, imprisoned by some of these these more colorful individuals for a while and, like, picked some of that up. Or I think also, like, pirates have very colorful, like, language. So if they are, yeah, we could totally have any of those connections. Cool. Well, let's see. They're lawful idea or they're chaotic. Yeah. Community or change? Hmm. So community for lawful or change for chaotic. I mean, it could be like, you know, we could play in that tragic backstory for community. It's like, this is why they have this whole, like they live to slay this one kind of creature. It's all about the slaughter because their community was destroyed uh, or other communities are impacted by the presence of whatever it is that they hunt. Cool. I like it. So that leaves us... With the neutral, well, other ideals, redemption. Redemption. 
Yes, yeah, because neutrality is the neutral one. Not an option. Uh, redemption. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, so one of the things with with the Goblin Slayer was that they, when it happened, like the raid on their village, they hid. Yeah, and uh, so part of that vengeance yeah. is a lot of internal, you know, things that they've internally held on to that. Oh, you, you know, I didn't do anything in those moments, but you know, and this, and then do you go through the process of also forgiving yourself because there wasn't so much that you could do because for that character they were a child. So like, yeah, sure. Had you tried anything, you, you would have died. Would have yeah. killed. Yeah. So why are you so hard on yourself, especially with all the things you've done and continue to do? Um, cool. I like this character too. Bonds. Bonds. All right. Let's see. What are we bonded to? Seven. Protective of a sentimental keepsake. Oh, I love this. This is something like. Like something, you know, that reminds them of the people they lost or or maybe it's some kind of reminder of how they failed in some way, you know, like what if it, you know, they were cornered by one of these goblins or whatever and they that goblin chopped off their hand or something. That's why they're missing fingers and they keep the knife that like was used, right? Like they turned yeah. it back on that enemy or whatever it was as a reminder. Yeah, the Ooh. other thing I think of is having a having something... Something be weird um, yeah. that it's. I just I feel like some of the like more traditional things get played into too much. Like the everyone has a locket with a loved one that's in it, or uh, something like that. But what if it was something? My first thought was something that could survive a fire. So what if it was just like a doorknob, or yeah. like a handle, or like a uh, like a door knocker? Whereas like that's why. What? Why do you have Why? that? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. that, you oh, know, one, it was like the key to their house or something, you know, their yeah. family home that burned down, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, cool. And they don't want to mention it, but it, you know, obviously it's a conversation piece because there it is. That's very interesting that you would have a key or that doorknob or anything like or that. Or like, oh, I just, I don't know why this came to me. Or like the foot of a statue, like the statue that was like in the town square, right? Yeah. That got toppled and you just carry around this like iron foot. <laughs> like how weird would that be well, weird yeah nice cool okay i like this weirdo so, flaws and secrets okay i rolled an eight specific phobia Ooh. all right okay okay a phobia i mean it feels like it would be easy to be like you know if it a fire or let's see they were good with animals so it can't be anything animal related Yes. So, so my other my other thought would be with adding this this specific phobia. Is it a place that you're getting through that tougher exterior? We're talking about you know rude, seeking out vengeance. Um, you know, like this vendetta against a certain set of creatures that did these terrible things. What if it's you? You know, you, you want to it's difficult because you don't want to play too hard one direction or the other, especially with the phobia. And even the one you choose kind of make sure nobody else has it at the table, but yeah. is it something that becomes a touch point for a conversation that is, you know, breaking through that exterior that they're putting up? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I can definitely see they'd be scared to like, maybe they're scared to go inside. Like maybe if they got trapped somewhere, like that's one of the reasons they're like, no, I don't care. I don't want to be with people. I can't, I can't be indoors. Like that's just not, or cause if they were confined for some amount of time, that might be one of the reasons why they're 
afraid to like go and connect with people. They have to be on the road, right, all the time. So that could definitely factor into that for sure. Yeah, because even because that could play, you know, could play into the whole story that is that's already created. The idea that um, were was being trapped the reason they were say you know the reason yeah. they survived right. you know the house collapsed but then they were in a pocket that you know nothing further happened and eventually they were either saved or eventually they got out themselves but you know that cluster you know is it claustrophobia is it um uh you know is it what is it agoraphobia where you know that interaction with people but being indoors um you know i've i've known people that have had unfortunate circumstances where they've been uh you know men that i know that have been attacked and the idea that if i can't see the exit then i yeah. don't I'm, can't, I'm no I longer comfortable there. in this right. space yeah i can't yeah, turn so my back to, to mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know so yeah so there's a uh, yeah there's certainly a lot but again these are the these are these are important questions to make sure that these kind of things. Yes, yeah, definitely with NPCs like this, because obviously Neil yeah. and I have a little tragic. We have a little tragic vibe <laughs> today. Um, make sure you yep. know these things if they touch on uh, content warnings. You talk about your table, any triggers, whatever. Like, make sure you have those conversations if you're playing with NPCs like this for sure. If you enjoyed this and you want to head over and you want to roll a D5 and leave us that many stars, <laughs> do th- do that. That's fine with me. I really don't care. Yeah. If you- um, and if you find a D5, please email us and let us know at <laughs> dmnastics at gmail.com. Uh, tell me all about it because I want one. Um, you can also make sure to follow us on Twitter at dmnastics. Me personally at cconowich, Neil at jokemoniac. And for everything else on the network, check out blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. And if you thought our intro and outro was just the best dang thing you've ever heard, <laughs> then you, you like us, can thank the Bards over at Bombarded. And for all the things that they do, you can head over to BombardedCast.com. Rather than let these mental gains go to waste, let's head to taking your supplements. Taking your supplements! So today, for taking your supplements, I have invited several additional people to the mental gym. And rather than me say anything more... Let's just jump right into it and introduce ourselves. Claire, do you want to go first? Thank you, Neil. Hi, I am Claire Strickland, and I write for Adventure A Week Games. And my God, I am happy to be on board this one. Should be fun talk. All right. My name is Tilo Graf. Pleasure to be here with you, Neil. And um, I work for AW Games as, you know, designer, developer, etc. PP. Also, of course, uh, for the Mini Dungeon Tome 2. So thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. And so that is what we're going to talk about today for Taking Your Supplements is the Mini Dungeon 2. And I I feel like my next statement is going to have some real like get off my lawn vibes. But the longer it goes and the more I am a dungeon master, it's products like this that speak to me more directly than, oh, would you like this 400-page tome just about the setting with no mechanical material in it whatsoever so that you can create your own bespoke world? Yeah, kind of, but no, not not entirely. So if you want to hit, uh, hit me and the listeners with kind of the elevator pitch. Yeah, so Mini Dungeon Tome 2. A huge amount of different uh, small adventures that you can just plug and play into your game. 
didn't have the time to prepare for your uh, next epic, highly complex saga investigation, what have you. Do you need a sidetrack because your players went off rails once again? Didn't you just have, you know, all, all the tools with you and just want to have a quick game because you met some, some of your uh, buddies while at a convention or something like that? Just want to play because you suddenly have time? Well, take that tome, open it at any page, check it out, uh, and you'll have two-page adventures with uh, beautiful full-color maps, original artworks, and so on and so forth, you know, just for a nice, quick gaming session. Also, by the way, that's how I use it a lot. Perfect uh, replacement for uh, when you've gotten tired of random encounters, because Personally, one of the things that I really get out of mini dungeon tomes, uh, the first one and much more than the second one, is actually that the fact that I, while while I was still studying, I had tons of free time. So same went from same was true for all my friends, and so so running through several random encounters uh, for a session like totally fine. But the less time you have on your hands the more you want your gaming to kind of matter, you know, to have that quality time really mean something. And uh, instead of just throwing some random critters on, you know, a grasslands field at your players, you can just, you know, have these nice little stories that you can just plop and play into your game. And some of them are more experimental, some of them are more tactical some of them are more role-playing heavy regardless of what you prefer and what you're looking for uh you'll find it there and all organized by terrain by levels and so on and so forth so you look at a two-page spread and you immediately know okay this is for this level range this is for this uh terrain and so on and so forth which makes this this sort of resource incredibly valuable as far as i'm concerned yeah, I mean, just, just from the top, a mini dungeon is about like a thousand words, maybe 1200 words long. It is a single location. If you've ever heard of the uh, the five room dungeon, you can find a lot of those in there, some six or seven or even higher, but uh, they're designed to be one shot area based encounters. We uh, have a concentration of them from level five to 10, because that tends to be where people play the game, but we also cover the other levels. And the whole idea is that if you need that one-shot resource, if you want something like Tilo says, more meaningful than a random combat, you can find it. We've got everything from jungles to Arctic to cities risen, risen from the sea. It is a trip and a half. And I'm uh, they're all manner of fun to write. Yeah, and I've noticed that using things like this, using tools like this, because um, recently I've added a couple of the epic epic encounters boxes into a few of the games that I've been running. It's so interesting that while it does start out as something, you know, it's, it really is. It's like an elevated version of a random encounter. But once you introduce that, because it's elevated, often your players just start feeding into what's happening to make it more, like you were saying, making it more meaningful, just throwing just random dice and be like, those are owlbears. You got to fight them now. <laughs> I've also found that as creatives, the most difficult thing I've seen or not not seen, the most difficult thing I've heard on podcasts is creatives trying to explain something uncreative like 
it's just owlbears because my brain just starts saying, what, why are they there? And all, all of those things. But your players will feed into these, which helps look for more. So then once you have this book in front of you, okay, so you you player A really latched onto this piece. Oh, there's another adventure that's in here that kind of harkens to that and speaks more to that. So I'm going to adapt to that one now, and that's the next one that we're going to play. And then the next one. Oh, now you've tied, you, you player B have randomly decided that this is really important for your backstory and tied to these characters. So I like... Like it's already mentioned, once once you elevate that random encounter to be something more, because also I feel like my players have a tendency to not let anything be random um, as much as I would like them to. But yeah, the idea of tying to these, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, it's the people have this people have this idea that well, it's it's just a it's just a one shot. It's a it's a canned module. There's nothing I want to create my own blue world. But like you're saying, Neil, the way that you use these, the way you incorporate them <clears throat> into your own campaign, you build into these. You add your own character hooks and backstories. You wind up using this as grist for the mill of your own hobby. And the way I, I tend to use them, it tends to be Westmarch's style. I love going to find one of these in the hex, in the exploration map and then figuring out, okay, why is it there? And what's its relationship to the next one on the map and the next one? And you wind up building this world of interconnectedness, that connective tissue, that's what an individual GM, that's what a group of players can bring. And you know, I, lo- I love the emergent narrative. I love watching that stuff come to the front. Oh, there's too, too many thoughts, too many thoughts. Because one of the things is having things like this, because even in creating your own homebrew world, there's... I realize it's just calling more specific people out that I know. So then like, I don't really mind the statement anymore. My hesitation was like, oh, I will make a broad generalization. There are certainly DMs that lean more towards telling their story rather than writing a story with the people that are at the table. And while that that works, and it certainly it's fine. And, you know, maybe it does turn into a novella or a novel or a series of novels. But oftentimes that's not how play works. And it also allows for things in your homebrew world to still surprise you, which I find personally, as the person running the game, the the better part of it. So doing things like this and allowing them to surprise me to dictate what the world is, that's how it should go. If I, if I may, uh, there, there's this, Absolutely. This one perfect example uh, that illustrates both your point and that of Claire, namely an adventure that Claire wrote... Uh, I think it's already been a couple of years ago, um, but but when that one fluttered uh, uh, on top of my editor's pile, I was like, yes, please, more of that. Yes, yes, say more nice things about me. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, picture this. There's this offshore laboratory that a cabal of alchemists and mages uh, use to create potions. However, there's been this unfortunate massive potion spill in this particular facility, and the uh, player characters uh, just enter this particular facility and are supposed to, you know, find out what happened, you know, rescue survivors and stuff like that. And what Claire did, on, on the one hand, she, she introduced this kind of, kind of hilarious, some, somewhat high fantasy-ish angle and uh, for for my own game i tend to gravitate to a kind of, to a more darker angle in my game so 
What I did when I ran this one is I leaned into, you know, the the, the environmental catastrophe of, you know, all those uh, chemical potions uh, spilling out. And that that kind of started changing the entire coastline over the course of uh, several adventures. And that that particular mini dungeon inspired a whole series of different alterations, new monsters and stuff like that, which is also kind of amazing because that's also what Claire did. She uh, took uh, a, she took this creature and changed it into this absolutely frightening eel-like monstrosity that is kind of ha hunting uh, the player characters as they're exploring this uh, particular facility. And I absolutely adore it. And it's still one of my uh, favorites. It's in the mini dungeon town too. The Leech Creole was the name. Yeah. I never knew that you guys used that one to that extent. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the, the Leech Cure. The whole idea is that this cabal of, of offshore potion makers wound up leaking their magical pollutants into the water and they got hoisted by their own petard by this thing drinking too many potions and evolving into this monster that hunted them down alien style. So, uh, Getting to go from that, and uh, yeah, like you say, Taylor, that's what it's all about. You take the idea, this little nugget of an adventure seed, and you wind up building your world around that. In the same way that we collaborate with our players, we collaborate with these materials. We're just here to give you something to riff off of. Yeah, and one of the other things I noticed that kind of goes back to that same conversation is, like you said, it, it, these are individually contained within two pages. And so there's some ingenuity that is required to do that and still give the DM and the players everything that they need. And one of the things that I noticed that was really interesting was any any changes to a monster are, are noted there. But then it says, you, but if you need the stat block, that's over there. You know, we're we're looking at the key pieces that are making this monster different for this in, this specific encounter, and here are those pieces. Which, in in a couple ways, obviously, it saves on space from you know from a layout, from editing, and all these other you know production ways. But it also il immediately illustrates to me as a DM reading that what are the most important things that I probably want to highlight. Because if I, let's say I'm only going to get two to three rounds of combat when it happens, I really want to make sure that, that these things that are being noted as what's different about this monster fall into that encounter, you know, hit those heavy within those first few rounds so that the players actually get that experience. There's nothing worse as a, as a game master and seeing this giant stack block of abilities and, a, and hundreds of words of spells and I'm familiar with most of them, but oh crap, what does that one do again? Being able to have uh, someone that can pick out like, a couple of key tactics that say, hey, this is the cool thing that this critter's supposed to do, whatever form that takes, whether it's a, a, a tactics uh, sidebar or, like you say, the alterations that we make to specific creatures, that gives you an idea of here's the tone we want to help you shoot for. But of course, if you want to go off script, which is the whole point of this hobby, step locks right there. Use it as you will. Yeah, someone someone saw my notes. What I want, I had I had ran a pretty elaborate Undermountain game, and someone someone said that they were going to run one, and I said I can just link you to my, you know, my files, kind of like my re my resource folder if you want to just check some things out. And I forgot all my notes were in there, and then all of a sudden I get all these like notes about my notes, not in a bad, in a very positive way. I'm like you had to like what each of them would do each round. I was like, oh yeah. I mean, it's too confusing not to sometimes I had because I had like a rival group of NPCs. 
And so I just literally wrote down what each of them would most likely do each round mm-hmm. rather than like you're saying, look at six stat blocks each time. No, I don't, I don't Yeah, I don't Oh God. R- running running NPCs with the complex like player level stat blocks is so hard. I was running a, a Kraken Lich fight once upon a time. It was uh, the swan song of a character that had died to a Cthulhu-esque monstrosity. They brought his corpse back in place of the beak inside the Kraken was this dead PC and they had to fight him again. Uh, it was wonderfully twisted, but my god, trying to balance his spells against the tentacle attacks, against, okay, it grapples, does it put him underwater automatically and like break line of sight? All these little tactical decisions that you have to make as a GM can be fun, but there's a fine line between fun plate spinning and if I'm overwhelmed. And another interesting thing about this particular component is by virtue of, you know, going this route, we have a lot more creatures to choose from because otherwise you're always, you know, kind of, kind of restricted to uh, page count, to word count, uh, to, you know, using creatures that are well known, uh, etc. even though other combinations would be more interesting. So, so that's another factor for even the hardcore number crunching GMs that are then like, oh yeah, oh cool, I've never seen this particular monster used in any module ever. So that's also something really nice. That's a good point. I, I'm i still 10 years later in the midst of my mega dungeon campaign. It was Monty Cook's Dragon's Dell, which was a web-based service. Nice. Everything yep. fully hyperlinked, every every monster connected from its, uh, its paid entry to its stat block. It became my favorite way to run. If I can have that ease of reference where I don't have to pop, keep a dozen tabs open all at the same time, the thing that I want is I click away when I need it. It makes the running this game so much easier, especially in this age of virtual tabletops where everybody in every game is moved online. Yep, and it, and it's finding those balances between what is helpful and what is what is hurtful with the technology. And that's how, fun fact, that's how technology has always worked. And also, fun fact, it's how people have complained about it since since. Time in memoriam. My favorite is this thing that says, oh, they're just, their faces are constantly in this new technology and they're not looking at the world and they're not observing the world around them. Ah, oh, it's ruining those people reading newspapers. Yep. Like that was the same complaint then was you've just, you've forgotten the world around you. How dare you read this newspaper on this train as the world passes by? I was talking to a librarian not long ago, and she was telling me that during the pandemic, it was this technology that we are using to converse right now that immediately, like that, popped right up to keep people connected during, uh, I don't this is no news to anybody, during the pandemic, during shelter in place. A lot of these games, they kept the same. Yeah. So, uh, hey, I love playing face-to-face. I love that kinesthetic interaction between different people to my right and left, but... Oh, there's an undeniable convenience to this biz. And there's some pretty cool things that you can do with a virtual tabletop. I mean, oh, I love I love the fact that we have these map assets that you can use out of these mini dungeons. And I don't have to go hunting for a suitable background to throw into roll twenty. Anything that can save me a little bit of time and effort is a that, that's a plus in my book. If I may just for a second, the thing about the maps because it brought them up. The the one thing I'm super happy with is player maps. No keys and oh, no yeah. secret room S indicators. I, I mean, how many GMs have spent time and wasted time trying to get rid out of, of those telltale secret, secret door indicators? What clone stamp, 
clone stamp, clone yep. stamp. I hate it. Yep. Yeah. And the, uh, mine, because I was running a, uh, the Emerald Spire, the, that mega dungeon. Yep. And then mm-hmm. the unfortunate piece with that map is all the maps are the same size. They have to fit on the same board. So, I mean, it's impossible not to metagame like, well, that yeah. seems like a weird empty spot over there on the map. I wonder if there's something over there. Let's go check it out. <laughs> you know, it was really cool doing that with, uh, there was uh, something called the Sprawl of the Demon Leech. I think it was like level seven of uh, Dragon's Delve. And it was like the big one. It had, I think, a full 50 rooms for this one level. Oh, wow. And it's shaped like a big donut. They're going to go around and eventually find the stairs. And for them, for years, it was just uh, like a letter C. They had gone a bit around. They hadn't completed it. They found the stairs. They went down. Eventually, they needed the MacGuffin from back up there. And they didn't know that it, w- it had been there that whole time because of the shroud. If you have yeah. a regularly shaped dungeon, you're able to pull in this surprise effect. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing that you get to do with uh, because of the technology. It's now something that we have to think around and make more interesting dungeons because of it. Speaking of, is there anything else from the Kickstarter that listeners should know about? One, it's already funded. Two, it's Mini Dungeon Tome 2, in case you're trying to find it online. You put that in there, you'll find it. But yeah, is there anything else that we want to share about the Kickstarter? Well... First of all, if you haven't held one of our books in your hands, um, they're absolutely freaking premium. So um, essentially, you'll get premium paper, premium ink, and so on and so forth. Not uh, any of those cheap uh, cheap papers and, and stuff like that. No, we, we do it right. And um, we've already met a ton of different uh, backer goals and a stretch goal so tons of additional new content and actual book upgrades and we're fast approaching the 777 backer um goal where we get another metallic silver soon and bookmark and we already have a couple of soon and bookmarks we have the premium paper upgrade the premium ink upgrade and you'll absolutely adore how this you know feels uh, as a haptic artifact, because as much as I adore playing online, and at this point I almost exclusively play online, when I personally prepare stuff or when when I read things, I want this haptic experience of a proper book. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, print on demand, but, you know, s- s- something that, that feels like a genuine artifact. But that, that may just be me running out of the book too that experience of mini dungeon being like a two-page spread you see the whole dungeon you don't have to scroll around for it yep. i how how weird is it that in this day and age we have to sell the uh the, the benefits of having a book this wonderful weird technology of book uh but the thing that i'm excited about right now uh the contents of the book we are in the midst of a vote for a custom mini dungeon what kind of terrain type do you want it to be and where i think we're going to have a few more bits and bobs to uh, from there to make it the people's choice. Yeah, that's, that's what I love about this hobby in general. It's collaborative soup to nuts. Like you're always looking for input from others. Perfect. Well, I I will say I have just backed it uh, right now because I don't want to miss out awesome. on uh, the limited hardcover because I, I'm that person. I am, I am absolutely that person. Much to my own detriment whenever it happens but uh so i have backed it and listeners as you know i'll point down 
hear me pointing uh, down to the show notes. There will be a link. And then, of course, if you don't want to do that, mini Dungeon Tome 2, and you will absolutely find it. So, but before we go, thank you both for coming on. And where can people go to follow anything that you're doing? Um, well, um, you, you can uh, sign up for a newsletter on awgames.com. That is aawgames.com. Um, we have a newsletter there. Um, we are not spamming anyone, and we actually have a cool freebie uh, and exclusive actions and stuff like that, and notes on uh, Kickstarters, uh, big projects, exclusive content, and stuff like that. Our setting is uh, up for free for grabs on that homepage as well. And of course, we have one of the most fantastic Discord communities ever. As someone who gets burned out of social media really fast because a lot of them just started, you know, dragging me down and hampering my productivity. AW Games Discord server is absolutely fantastic. We have an absolutely amazing community super kind super super fun people absolutely inspiring and we actually talk to our you know supporters and fans and we'll listen to them so if, if you have got these great ideas if you want to see more of xyz tell us because we thrive on that sort of community on that sort of interaction we want to do everything with you not just you know be guys that create and then throw stuff out we listen to you for my part, I'll echo what Tilo said. I, I write for AW. You can uh, talk at me on Discord. Always happy to talk shop. But if you would like to see any of my personal projects, I, uh, I also write the webcomic Handbook of Heroes. That's handbookofheroes.com. Check out our Patreon. Wink. Uh, nice. I like to think it doesn't suck. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever heard a better tagline for literally anything. What an Africa. I don't think it sucks. That's just what a that's the best tagline I've heard in a long time. That's awesome. Well, again, thank you. Thank you both for coming on and listeners check out everything we talked about. But with that, we'll turn out the lights and head out of the gym. Before we go, though, I, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, the Discord, Twitter, and anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some gymnastics so your players don't ask you, do you even lift? <laughs>